Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Oh, hello, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. It's Cindy, Cindy Howes. That is me. I host this podcast that you listen to. So happy to have you. Happy 2020. If you are listening uh, within the very start of the new year, if you're not, um, well, hello and happy whatever it is that you're doing today. Um, Basic Folk this week is live at Club Passim in Cambridge with Americana singer-songwriter Dinty Child. Uh, Talk about that in just a moment. Let's do some housekeeping. Basic Folk beanies are still for sale. We've got some fabulous colors um, that are available. Again, these are winter hats that are hand-knit by my mom and they have a Basic Folk logo on them. You can go to my website, cindyhouse.net, take a look and see uh, what they look like. You can purchase one uh, right there at cindyhouse.net. You can also sign up for my email list, and you can find me on social media. We have a Facebook group going, Basic Folk Basics, uh, and I think that's it. I think that's it. All right, it's been a while since we've done this, So I'm excited to start the new year off with a couple of live episodes. Uh, We recorded these at the beginning of December, and we had Rachel Lynn, who is a singer-songwriter that is in Denver, Colorado, but I met her in Pittsburgh. So she played the first set, and then Dinty Child played the second set. So I'm releasing Dinty's episode today, and he makes a lot of references to Rachel. Um, Rachel said this, and Rachel said that, but so like that is Rachel Lynn, which is going to be coming up next week. Also, a note that my dad, um, again, played accordion to start the night off. He actually played Dinty's accordion, and it was like a smaller type of accordion than he's used to playing. So he was like, oh, I don't know if I could play this. And then he like played it like a wizard, and everyone loved it. So Dinty makes some references to that as well. Uh, Dinty is best known for being a member of Session Americana, which is a Cambridge Roots Supergroup, and he talks about the formation of that band. Dinty Child is releasing his solo debut album after being part of the Boston folk and roots community for about three decades. His record, Lucky Ones, will be coming out January 17th, a release show happening January 16th at Oberon in Harvard Square, and I think that's almost sold out, so if you want to go grab your tickets, that's in Cambridge. In our conversation, we talk about growing up with loving older sisters, his deep connection to Three Mile Island, which 
it's not the one you are probably thinking about. Um, it's an island in New Hampshire and his work with Session Americana and being able to play with musicians of all sorts of ages and stages in life. Dinty Child is hilarious, humble. He's one of the best people that I know. He's always been kind, supportive, and respectful of his friend's work. This solo album is a rare moment for him to step into the spotlight, so it's exciting for the community to be able to lend him the platform that he gives nearly everyone he meets. So happy to get him on this podcast episode, especially in this format. His live performance will draw you in and make you laugh and reflect. Everyone I know loves Dinty Child, and after listening to this episode, you will too. So let's get into our conversation with Dinty Child on Basic Folk Live. This was part of the Club Passim Monday Night Discovery Series, which is sponsored by Nine Athens Music. And thanks to Chuck Honnett for uh, giving us the stage that night at Club Passim. Let's get into it. It's Dinty Child live on Basic Folk. I'm extremely excited to have Dinty Child, who has an album coming out in 2020. Seems as though a lot of you know this person. Uh, it's hard not to. Dinty Child. The album Lucky Ones is coming yes. out January 16th. Seven. Seven. Technically, a concert well, the 16th. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway. I don't know how that was decided, but... The concert is at Oberon, which yes. is in Harvard Square. Correct. And did we talk about, is there going to be, well, we won't talk about the confetti drop. We'll just leave that as a surprise. <laughs> I, all um, right. <laughs> anyways, Lucky One's coming out uh, in January. Um, what's, really, what's really fun is that I've known, we've all known Dinty for a long time, but like how many, how many of you know personal information about Dinty besides his niece? It's like... <laughs> Not a lot of people. All right, th- no, I know there's a few that aren't wooing back there. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into it. Dinty Child, this is so exciting. Cindy House, um, so glad to be here. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Sudbury, to the west of here, okay. uh, near Concord, Lincoln, out that way, Walden Pond. Where was music in your family growing up? Music in my family. I have four older sisters. Uh, the sisters were... When I was born, they were 7 to 12 years older than me. So, like, they were all together within five years, and then I was way after. I was a little bit of a mistake, but that's okay. They love me anyway. Um, Best mistake ever. And my mom was kind of done, and my sisters basically, they were around. They, were, they, they said for the first two years, my feet didn't touch the ground. So, because they Aww. just passed me from one to the other. So I'm kind of the opposite of Rachel, where like I think everybody loves me and I'm and it's everything's wonderful and I'm funny and they my sisters still think I'm funny and all that stuff and um, uh, so older sisters grew up out there and all of that. So who is playing music? Oh, music, right? <laughs> um, so. Both my parents were quite musical, but not like, I mean, they were musical in like a 40s, 50s kind of way where you played music, but it wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? It's like you, my dad played multiple instruments and played in marching bands and did all What do you mean these, like in 40s, 50s type of way? Like um, my parents 
definitely said to me, music is a wonderful thing to have in your life, but it's not a vocation. It's like not a thing you can do. And, and, um, and then and what'd you say? I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, my, like my mom was, was, uh, you know, she was a fifties housewife and, and she was an amazing piano player. Um, like totally by ear, badass ragtime stride piano player, but she didn't know how to read music and she would say, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I just play, you know, whatever. So it was that kind of thing. So they were very musical. My sisters all sang a cup, uh, uh, Couple of couple of my sisters have been very involved with music, um, and one sister in particular had a guitar, and like that's what I started to pick up and mess around with a lot. So you took your sister's guitar. I did. How did and she feel about that? She um, was okay with that. She uh, she was a very it was like very Joan Baezy like uh, nylon string guitar, sixties you know straight hair, um, but she came down. <clears throat> the stairs one morning and it was like five in the morning and I had her guitar and I was trying to play something. I had my toes on the guitar and I was, I was playing a song with my toes um, to see if I could do it. And so like music was around a lot. <laughs> there was, there was a lot of singing. Um, there was a, a lot of singing all the time. We would go to church and I'd sit in the middle cause I was the little guy and everybody was singing harmony around me. So I'd take the harmonies in um, I went to bed literally every night for about two years with Louie Louie pounding through the walls from the stereo behind my my bed. And, uh, you know, Rolling Stones, Louie Louie, it was, and, and Camelot, and uh, all the musicals. It was all there. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to make sure that we had a chance to talk about Three Mile Island, which, wow. Dad, not that Three Mile Island. Yeah, uh, not not. Um, Three Mile Island is a uh, small island on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. Correct. Um, first off, can you talk about uh, what the island is and your role there? Oh my God, this is a long this is a long question. I'll try to make it short. Uh, it is an island. It is a family camp, a forty-three acre island with fifty small cabins, a large main lodge, and a dock area. <laughs> It's owned by the Appalachian Mountain Club, who own huts in the White Mountains, and um, it's a family camp that uh, it's been in existence since 1900. Families would typically go there for like a week or two in the summer. People in the early century used to go for like a month or two weeks or whatever, take the steamer from Boston and the train to the steamer and go over. <coughs> um, Is the steamer a boat? Steamer's a boat, yeah. Steam-powered okay. boat on Lake Winnipesaukee. And um, my... It was uh, in the late... Uh, turn of the century, turn of the uh, 20th century, 1900. It was, you know, cities were kind of crappy, you know, like horses and coal and all that stuff. And it was big back-to-the-nature movement. And so there were, like, big hotels up in the mountains and stuff. And this was like a rustic camp where people would go and um, get out of the city, and it turned into a thing. And my family, it was started by some professors from Tufts, uh, 
were big in the Appalachian Mountain Club. My grandfather went to Tufts. He started working there in 1911. And then my grand, my father started working there in the 30s. My grandfather was going with my mother at that point. My mother and father met there. My daughter met her husband there. My family's been associated for over 100 years with this little island on Lake Wimpasaki that you can go to if you want. And Three Mile Island, uh, it's uh, special to, to Club Passim in particular. There's a couple different, there's a songwriting retreat and there's a music camp that Club Passim are closely associated with that we'll talk about a little bit later on. But when you went there yes. as um, a civilian, yeah, shall we say, yeah. what was your experience like there? Well, uh, so you can, you have to be four years old to start going. So I went from the time every summer for a week. <clears throat> from the Just time, one week. Yeah, one week. From the time I was four. We used to go late in the summer, like just before Labor Day. And But so as a kid in the summer, it's ideal because it's this little island. You feel like you have the complete run of the island. You just have to show up for meals three times a day. They blow a horn and it's time for a meal. Mm. So you show up. But you can just run wild other than that. Great. Well, I just wanted to spend a lot of time talking about that island because cool. it seems like, you know, I knew because you you've been there. So. I've been there, but I I feel like I knew you for like five or six years and had no idea that this that this part of you existed and it's such a huge part of who you are. Yeah. But it's but somehow like it's not in the forefront of no it's, how you present yourself. It's a thing I do. Yeah. It's a thing I do, but and it's a thing I'm involved with, but it's like not. It doesn't define me mm. at all. I, well, that's hard to say. It defines me in a very, very deep way that's so deep that I don't even think about it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. And those associations and everywhere I go. I play in this band, the Session Americana, that plays a lot. And they everywhere we go, they say, are there island people here tonight? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, almost anywhere we go, yeah, there's a couple island people here. Are there so. island people? people here tonight yeah there's, there's, there's a few island people that's how it works that's great um can you play a song about texas texas yes i can <laughs> this has nothing to do with the island um but i will say from you talking to rachel about coming back to boston mm. to me Um, the second verse of this song is about Boston, and to me, it is one of the best verses I've ever written, and I can sing this song anywhere in the world, and I get a chill down my spine when I sing the song about living in Boston, because I feel like I, I got it. I grabbed the essence of it. So you be the judge, Cindy House. You be the, you be the judge, Cindy <laughs> And meet in threes and music grow in 
indignities But Nashville has a tribe of those Who need the music in their bones Who don't judge age by young or old Or worth by what gets bought and sold But I remember when we used to drive through Austin with the pickup windows down Find a country station and sing along too loud So if they should ask about me and the place I'd lay my hand Tell them all right but it's not Texas tell them it's all right but it's not Texas turn away oh Boston can be cool that way but there is magic in the snow and you don't know warm till you've been cold and when you're here it's understood that a friend heart wants a friend for good And telling us as angels might We're made of stars, so it's all right But I remember all the two-step nights On old wood floors with fiddles in the band Sunday dinner after church with pleasing 
tell them it's all right, but it's not Texas. You can tell them I'm okay, but it's not Texas. So there's, um, in that song, there's a line about not judging age by young or old. Yeah. So I wanted to have a conversation with you about age, um, like how that line resonates with you and your relationship to age. I'd love to talk about that. I really would. Um, so here's the thing. I've, I've been around this town for a long time and there are a lot of colleges here and like music schools and musicians come through and they go to college and maybe they go on somewhere else maybe they stick around for a while and I get to play with a lot of them and there are musicians a lot of musicians here more recently they've been moving away but um, who are the ages of my daughters like 20s whatever and but I feel like they're my peers because mm -hmm. it's it's like uh, we, we're on the same wavelength. You know, we feel the same way about life. I'm 64 now, but judging age is more like how you feel about it than how you approach it, really, to my mind. So you know, I've known you for like 15 years, I think. Long time. And I. And I feel like that entire time I met you when I was in my early 20s and it felt as though you respected me as if I were a peer. So that's very apparent and that's very interesting to hear your approach in just treating everybody differently. And I've always like really respected that. Oh, so. thank you. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I lived the life of a 25-year-old. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I mean, really, um, yeah, the 25-year-olds I know have a harder time of it than I do at this point. But um, but when we're, when we're making music together, it doesn't matter mm. at all. That's great. Uh, Session Americana. Yes. So Session Americana will often perform that tune, and Session is yep. your band that came about from informal gigs at Toad, which is down the road from here, yep. back in 2004, eventually moved to Lizard Lounge. And one of the defining factors of Session Americana is that you perform facing each other around a table. Um, can you explain the reason and the meaning of the table and that mm -hmm. setup and how maybe it affects you, that format affects you as a, a player? So Session Americana started, um, two of the guys in the band had had kids or about to have, maybe they were about to have babies at the time, the babies are very tall and wonderful people at this point. Um, and they were kind of looking for a way to get out of the house to make some music. And um, the specific story is that one night at Toad, uh, some of them had been playing in a band, and then the final act didn't show up, who I think it was Katie Curtis. And um, Not to name names, Katie Curtis. Yeah, we love you, Katie. But uh, 
one of the guys booked the club and it was like he's like people are here we got to do something to sell more beer and and one and rye had the idea to just tape mics to the table he was very involved in the irish he had the irish thing in his inside of him so like irish session tape some mics to the table we're just going to play some songs and they found that they started to play songs people sat on the bar and kind of pulled up close and they said well this would be a cool thing to do and so they they decided who they wanted in this band and i'm very grateful that they decided i was one of the people that they wanted in this band and um so it was always a band it was like it was it feels like a jam session but it it wasn't it was a band and um what does that do to what does that do to everyone to be able to face each other as opposed to playing out to towards the audience what it means is that you don't care about the audience. You're just playing to make music. You pass the guitar. You We had one mic on the table. There were literally, I mean, virtually every night where at the end of the night, I would kind of look up and it's like, oh, there's an audience here. It's like we're just... It seems like a very authentic connection to yeah, each other. Yeah, we're just making music together and people would get drawn in. It's like having a bunch of really great musicians mm. at your kitchen table. And it got to be more and more popular and people would talk. It got to be loud. So we moved to the lizard lounge, but we decided as we kept going, we decided to keep the table. Mm. I've made, I'm a carpenter. I've made five of those tables. Now they're all the exact same size as a table at the lizard lounge, 22 inches. And, um, we've gone to two mics instead of one. And, uh, but now, and we figured out a way to play on stages more in a horseshoe to kind of open it up. Mm. But we find that the table, we did it last night. We find that the table just focuses everything in a little bit. For a while, there was an unwritten rule that you wouldn't sing any of your own songs in session. True. Um, that someone else in the band could sing one of your songs if they wanted to, but you couldn't sing your own. Right. So I'm interested, like, how did that rule help the dynamic and how are you able to connect on a, on a deeper level with your friends' songs? Wow, that's an interesting question. So we did that because we were all from other bands and we all had outlets for our songs that we wrote. <clears throat> um, so it, we didn't want it to be an ego thing a pissing contest of some kind so um so americana is all about right? yeah right not a pissing contest so um so yeah so it was like there were a lot of good songwriters around us writing great songs it was like we wanted to feature those we wanted to do other songs we didn't want it to be a ego thing at all all right well let's hear another song um this is uh i think you're gonna play this song from lucky ones this was written with Bat, who I wrote Beer Town with. So Bat is a Three Mile Island guy. He's an incredible piano player, and he's that much older than me than when that when I was thirteen, I think, or fourteen. He uh, he was working there, and one in the summer, he brought me into his cabin. And he said, "You need to listen to these records," and he played me. Ry Cooter's second album and Unhalf Breaking by Fairport Convention in, in a row. And it changed my those changed my life. They really did. So anyway. Alright. It's a time. 
goes bye-bye in an instant It's the answer we don't understand It's the thing that we find we're not looking for It's the sun that turns into a man It's the taste of the first cup of coffee It's a puzzle without any clue It's the sun going down in the ocean the reason why I still need you It's the meeting that might not have happened It's the wondering why we are here It's a lost conversation at midnight It's the nothing that brings us to tears And it's a baby that's suddenly smiling It's the lies we're told that prove true It's the blue of the sky in the twilight the reason why I still need you Before the show started, Dinty and I were talking, and I was asking him if he was ever influenced by anything that, <laughs> like, Jim Henson or the Muppets had ever done. Just because, I mean, I grew up with the Muppets. Dinty did not. and But I, like, feel like there are so many similarities 
And you were talking about how it's probably mostly because you and the Henson crew were like listening to the same kind yeah. of stuff. Could you talk about like, I don't know, you were like, I don't see the similarities. Does anyone else here love the Muppets and sort of see <laughs> what I'm talking about? I could see where that song sounds like a Paul Paul Williams. Williams. Song. Yeah. To me, it's more like a Willie Nelson song or something like that. You know, so... I know for a fact that Jerry Nelson, who who was uh, the Count, was listening to Willie Nelson and stuff, and I wasn't. How do you know for a fact? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> I played Jerry Nelson's wedding. Jerry Nelson was the Count, and um, I played at his wedding on Cornhill Beach on Cape Cod, and he was married by um, Richard. I can't remember his last name. Who was Fozzie Bear, and. F- and Frank Oz, who was Kermit the Frog, was he like during the whole ceremony, he had a helium tank this big and he lit off a steady, uh, filled up a steady procession of heli- uh, balloons and he would just like send them <laughs> off into the atmosphere during the whole entire wedding. So that's, that's how I know. He was Kermit, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. This next song is actually based on a true <laughs> story. I just looked at the list. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. This is a little sad right now. I know. We are in Club Passim. Across the street, it's dark. I pulled up my van outside, and it's dark across the street. There is a Mexican restaurant called The Border. It used to be the Oxford Ale House when I was in, lived in this town and saw bands there. But uh, this next song... I told Cindy that when I put it on the list of possible songs to play that it's hard for me to play it, Passim, and not not play this song. <clears throat> it's called Incident at the Border. And um, it's a true story about a night that my friends in a band called Mandolin Orange played at Sinclair, and we were hanging out after the show on the sidewalk, as you do after a show when you're kind of trying to figure out what to do next, where to go, what bar to go to, or what to do. And um, something happened. Um, and see if you can figure out from the song what, what, what the defining thing that happened in this song is. Uh, Andrew Marlin, Emily France, they're married now. They have a kid, but... Andrew threw a frisbee through the window of a Mexican restaurant. Andrew really wanted to run, but he didn't hide. I wrote this song. I wrote this song purely for the entertainment of the five people involved in this uh, incident. So. Start from the game. Andrew threw a frisbee through the window of a Mexican restaurant. Andrew really wanted to run, but he didn't try. A big gang was headed to a bar nearby. It was a midnight basement college dive, but it was taken forever. And Andrew needed to fly. The parking lot 
adjacent to the street beside the Mexican restaurant. That one right over there. Was dark and softly calling, so he ran across to give it a go. This is a true story. Emily was a little on edge that a car might be coming till someone said, What's the worst that can happen? Well, now we know. Mexican restaurant. That's a sing-along part. We're at Passim after all. <laughs> the waiters with their murderous eyes stood in the door of the restaurant. Right there. Simon was walking over with his open arms, a shrug and a laugh. But when college town money falls down like rain, what's the big deal about one more pain? And who can be angry at a smile like that? And oh, there's not much call for broken glass with chips and salsa. See, we're in a folk club, and this, this chorus practically sings itself. So here we go. And oh, there's not much call for broken glass with chips and salsa. No one wants a bloody lip from jalapeno queso dip. The girls in the corner Very good. Here's the bridge. Well, the manager was cool about the window in the Mexican restaurant. He knows regret and tequila go together like tonic and gin. So we stayed right there and we got bombed on shitty margaritas till the lights came on. Then floated off to heaven at the holiday Chips and salsa. No one wants a bloody 
It's not on the album, <laughs> but I recorded it. So. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah wow. <laughs> on Three Mile Island every yes. year, there's a songwriting retreat called Sub Rosa, and then the week after that, there's a music camp called yes. Miles of Music. Yes. Can you talk about the community of musicians? who gather there, and how do you think those kind of connections can be carried into the communities these musicians are a this part of? This is such a giant question. It's awesome. Um, so the Iguana Grant Fund that Passim does is one of the most amazing things that has been done for musicians in this town that I ever know of. Can you talk quickly what that is I can in case they um somebody had the idea at some point of starting a fund that every year musicians apply to and they can be awarded grants they tell you you say what you want to do it's very simple it's very open-ended loose and um they award up to two thousand dollars and two thousand dollars for a musician is like a lot so the first year, my friend Sean Staples got some microphones and stuff for his studio, some like really snazzy studio mics. And I was like, wow, if I got that, what would I do? And it's like, well, I have the keys to this island. I would bring my friends for a week to write songs. Last year was our 10th year of doing that. I got a grant. And um, the first year that that happened, my friends Laura Cortese and Kristen Andreessen got off the boat because you have to take a boat to get to this island. <clears throat> and they were like, this is where we should do it. And I was like, this is where we should do what? <laughs> and they were like, they had grown up in the music camp, uh, fiddle camp culture of the West Coast. And they said, we, we've is always that, had... Does anyone know what fiddle camp is? Uh, you know... It's like summer, summer camp with fiddles. Yeah, there you go. And 90-year-olds. No, but... and. and 13-year-olds, and they were all like 13 and 14 when they were doing this. And um, they all like learned Scottish fiddling and said, we loved our fiddle camps, but they were fiddle camps. So we've had this idea that wouldn't it be cool to take that model and have all different ages and all different abilities and all different kinds of music. And I was like, I don't know how you do that with 100 people, but I trust those two women to figure out how to do it. And now people come from all over the world to go to that camp. They get twice as many applications as they can take. And to me, it's um, dropping a, a rock in a, in a pond and watching the, the, the ripples go out. And all of a sudden, you know, these ripples are going all over the world and people are hearing about it and they're coming. And 
I don't know, it's just this amazing community. So now you can go kind of anywhere, and there are people who have been to Miles of Music, and it's affected them, and they've met people, and whatever. It's really cool. It's an amazing community. It's, and it's all grown out of this place. So You're going to end with a song by Chris Delmhorst. Yes, I am. called Lucky Ones. Yes. That's actually the title of your record, which yes. is coming out on January 17th. Yes, thank you. January 16th, the album releases at Oberon. Oberon. Um, Tickets are on sale. Chris, Chris Delmhorst wrote this song on the island. The songwriter retreat. She comes. On, about the vibe of the retreat. And you have kind of adopted this song as your own. Yeah. Before you play it, can you tell us how you feel about this song and what does it feel like to perform it? So uh, Chris Delmhorst wrote the song. She wrote it, uh, I, think, I think, two years ago. We, we, every night, all day, we spend our days just kind of writing, sometimes in pairs, sometimes alone. There's 50 little cabins on this wooded island. Night we get together, we eat dinner, we play the songs for each other. And, the, and Thursday night is our recap night where we, like, what songs did we write? Um, you know, um, <clears throat> every night we play our songs. And the last night, a couple of years ago, she sang this song. And, and it was like a little wine-soaked, love note to the people there and um we do a couple of shows we'll, we'll be here uh march no february 3rd thank you february 3rd and 4th we it's usually right after new year's which i'm a little confused but it's in early february this year where there are 13 14 of us there's extra stage and we all play as one big band and we play the songs that we wrote that year um there's a lot of good songs this year so uh put that on your calendar um but she wrote this one and she sang it and i distinctly remember uh when we do these shows the song we do at the end is almost always like the most kind of uplifting whatever song and sean staples said well it's great to know which song we're ending with this year and um i just sort of adopted it and she doesn't do it she kind of gave it to me to be my song because i think partly because it deals with the island and being on the island and stuff and so uh <clears throat> it just became a song that i do and it was like the very logical song for my album because it really she she was afraid she actually didn't want to do it at our songwriter show because she was like oh this is going to be weird people are going to th- think that we're like oh we're the lucky ones you're not you don't get to do this but we get to do this and uh, we were all like no 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 it's there's a bigger thing going on here and um she sang it and i started singing it and it's i found it to be a bigger vibe Mm. it's it's, i've sung it in all over the world i've literally sung this all over the world with musicians who like just get it and audience members get it and then it's like really anybody who does something because they love it. So There's um, a feeling about really good music that makes you feel connected. And this song does it. Am I going to sing this song now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just play it, Denti. Thank you so much for having me on this, Cindy. Kind of cool. They've, they've got a they got a, a vibe of the place now. 
Well, I didn't get too much sleep last night. I was drunk on music and wine. I was floating away on an island with some good old friends of mine. And every one of them is magic. They got magic coming out of their eyes. I sit right down. We pass it around. We don't stop until the sunrise. That's right. We're the lucky ones. That's right. We're the lucky ones. That's right. We're the lucky ones today. And I didn't cry no tears today. I got way too high to be down. The water was warm and the thunderstorm and the music drifting all around. Well, dark days come and dark days go. It's a world of trouble and pain. Ain't it good to know there's a place to go where you can come in out of the rain? That's right, we're the lucky ones. That's right, we're the lucky ones. That's right, we're the lucky ones today. people sing it the better I'm just telling you that's all you don't have to but Cindy Child, are you ready for the lightning, lightning round? round? I've been, I was born ready for the lightning round. What was the first Cats. song? What? <laughs> Is it, okay. What was the first song you learned on the guitar? Uh, 
Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, Secret Asian Man. Excuse me? Wow. Wait, can you want me to play it? Yes. There's a man who leads a life of danger. <laughs> To everyone he meets, he stands a stranger. All right, yeah. You were born for the lightning round. All right. Batman or Superman? Oh, I don't care. Lakes or beaches? What? Car what is your karaoke song? I don't know. Dogs, cats, or something else? Don't care. <laughs> I like them both in small quantities. Do you... Do you love your mom more or your dad? They're both dead. What is your favorite U.S. city? Pass. First album. First, first 45 I ever bought. <laughs> Georgia Girl by The Seekers with my own money. What was your first concert and who took you to it? My oldest sister, Penny, her mother, took me to the Beach Boys, 1965, Boston Garden, striped shirts, highly influential in my entire life. Wow. She went on a date with a guy, and I was nine years old, and they took me to the Boston Garden to see the Beach Boys. <laughs> come on. Come on. Round of applause. Round, round, get around. I get, come on. Yeah. Dream collaboration. Tom Waits. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles, Beatle Tones. Do you like peanut butter? I love it. Smooth or chunky peanut chunky. butter? Chunky. Morning person or night owl? Night. Ha, uh, Gibson or Fender? Don't care. Um, flying or invisibility? Flying. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. What is, do you have for breakfast? Oatmeal. What is the most beautiful place you've ever visited? New Zealand. Who is your favorite character from Star Wars? Don't care. <laughs> if you were a doll, what accessories would come in your box? <laughs> a nice hat. Last question. What is your favorite type of white noise? Pink noise. Diddy Child, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Basic Focus, produced by Laura McCarthy, with assistance from Adam Corey. Thanks to Adam Gerzik for doing sound at Club Passim this evening, and special thanks to Matt Smith and Abby Altman for their assistance at the club. Thanks to Chuck Honick from Nine Athens Music for giving us the stage on the Monday Night Discovery series at Club Passim in Harvard Square. Also, thanks to Club Passim for letting me work there. Man, so excited to be there. It's been uh, awesome. Uh, and, you know, if you have not, it is definitely a destination venue. If you have not been to Club Passim in Cambridge, Mass., it's it's one of the best. It's the best venue that I've ever been to. Let's be honest. Lindsay Myers is our business manager for Basic Folk, and she actually flew out from California to come to the show. So thanks so much, Lindsay. Uh, Basic Folk is part of the Pantheon podcast network. 
And again, if you want to uh, grab yourself a basic folk beanie, they're available at the website, cindyhouse.net. Sign up for the email list. Uh, rate and subscribe is always, the, it's, it's always very, very helpful. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week and or later. Okay, bye.